so I grew up wanting to be a rich, famous novelist, not just a novelist, but a rich, famous one. Yeah. Uh, I read a book called Young Blood Hawk, which is a story of a of a poor uh, working kid from the South um, named Young Blood Hawk, who grows up to be a rich, famous novelist. And uh, it's about 680 pages, weighs about 2.3 pounds. I know because I've weighed it. And I read it at the age of 12. And um, I remember reading it, staying up late at night, doing what my kids would call later sneak reading, which is you get out of the covers with a flashlight. Um, and so it kept me up nights running to finish this book. And during and after the process, I said, I want to do this. I want to write stories that keep people up late at night reading. Mm. And um, but I could never find the help wanted ad that said, rich, famous novelist wanted will train. And so <laughs> yeah. I stumbled into journalism. Uh, I, um, I after college, I went into the Peace Corps uh, in West Africa, came home with uh, no money and and just. Basically, the first story I ever wrote was a narrative. And I realized, you know what? I can get paid. Not very much, and it wasn't very much. I would make more as I got more experience. But it really happened in my um, early 20s that I realized I could make a living writing. It wasn't a great living. You know, as anybody, you know, most writers will tell you, you know, uh, I got so excited I when I figured out how to live above the poverty line as a writer. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that I did at the beginning. I didn't, back then in 72, 73, I don't think I was even thinking poverty line. I had, uh, <laughs> you know, I just went from school and uh, a very impoverished African nation. So I wasn't thinking yeah. of uh, right. yep. Good poverty point. line. Yeah. So it was back then. It was back then in, in my early 20s. Um, what, uh, what do you think, um, what, like, it, so since there's not a help wanted sign for rich, famous novelist, what are some of the things that you've discovered are the path to becoming a full-time, uh, writer who can make a living off of writing? Well, I do think you think there, there is a path? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there a path? Yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of making a living, I think. You know, you can become a journalist. You can become uh, an advertising copywriter. You can become a ghostwriter. Um, you know, I think there are a number of, if you will, revenue streams available to writers. Uh, yeah. Um, but what about I guess novelists? What I say is, like specifically? Yeah, that that that. Um, like I said, I've written one novel, and it's it's a little novel with my my former wife Catherine Fair called The Holly Wreath Man. And that was based on a newspaper serial novel that we published mm -hmm. uh, in about 65 papers across the country, which was pretty exciting to publish a 25 installment novel in, in newspapers. Yeah. Um, I, I have basically focused on short fiction because um, pretty early on, I had a family to support. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I needed a full-time job as a journalist, but I would, I guess one of the paths is getting up really early, number one, um, before anybody else is awake to write. Yeah. Uh, 
to to it's not a question of you know i don't have time it's a question of making time to write absolutely uh, absolutely yeah i do this and, every morning and do you yeah yeah exactly. i mean so, when i'm not in I, hong kong I, I, right okay i mean i get i get up um just naturally early every morning now and um yeah. so i think part of that is is getting up early the other part is learning to lower your standards and i i, How, I know what do you that's mean always by lower your standards well i mean when you start writing i think um a, it's a you know it's a common affliction writer's block and i think that keeps people from becoming writers uh yes not just writers who who get writer's block in the middle of a project i'm talking about the people who dream like i did of being a writer and have right. always wanted to be a writer and but for some reason they're unable to do so and i think the reason is that they have impossibly high standards for themselves and yeah. i think those standards are are influenced by what they think other people think of them and so uh, i tell people if you want to be if you want to be a productive writer and a good writer, you need to lower your standards. Um, I don't mean by that abandoning. Well, actually, that's not true. I tell myself, I don't just lower my standards. I abandon them and I use free writing. <laughs> that's good. Right. I free write. I free write. And, but, and that's because I know that writing is all about one thing and that's revision. So I need to get something down on the screen or on the page so that I can start messing with it. And until I get to that point, there's nothing I can do. I don't have any clay to work with. Yes. So I've got to get clay and I need to, I need to make clay. And so, you know, my clay is words. And so uh, I use free writing uh, as a way to escape um, that little voice in your head that says you suck. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, the you suck voice. Actually, Sigmund Freud in the interpretation of dreams uh, talked about uh, it as a watcher at the gate and it's mm -hmm. the gate in your mind and the, the gate is is barring your creativity and the way to do it is is to um, not worry about whether to not in a, it, it, it it is so hard sometimes for people to realize how that it, that it's possible to, you know when you say to them don't worry if it's any good just get something down but when you have, if you realize that's the principle to lower your standards and you have a technique, which is free writing, then mm -hmm. you can get work done. You can produce words at a, at a pretty fast clip. And once you've done that, then you, and I'm a big believer in the printer. Um, I'm looking at my printer right now and I printed out the, the section of the novel I was working on today. Um, printed out three times. What I do is I print, I mark it up, I should make all the changes. Um, I go back, I mark it up again, uh, I hit print again, you know, basically, you know, wash, rinse, rinse repeat, uh, wash, rinse, repeat. That's how I get my writing done. And so that to me is, uh, to me, that's the path. To pro mm. That's the path to productivity. That's to me, the path of, to productivity is what I'm describing. What do you consider a fast clip? Just out of curiosity, you said you can write it a pretty fast clip. Just so that um, anyone listening well, has sure, an idea sure, to compare sure. to. Well, I always think I always think of it this way, you know, um, a a, a, a page of manuscript copy is two hundred fifty words double spaced, and I can probably type, 
my typing is really shitty. Okay. I'm a really bad typist. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I make a lot of mistakes, but I probably generate maybe 160 words a minute. So, um, I can get, I can get a lot down pretty quickly in about 15 minutes, you know, I can have, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not talking about blasting, you know, when you say free writing, it doesn't mean necessarily that your fingers are flying. Although when I do workshops with people, I will actually have them uh, free write and I will tell them, okay, you're going to put your pencil, your pen to the pad and you're not to lift up your hand and um, until I say stop. And I'll only yeah. have them do it for four minutes. I did this recently with a group of uh, uh, marketing writers and it was astonishing. Some of them wrote 200 words or more in three minutes by hand. Mm -hmm. and um so uh i'm sorry i've lost track i was just asking about a fast what you consider to be a fast clip because oh um, yeah so i guess the, you know, the if you can yeah yeah if you can get 150 words down a minute i mean it doesn't really matter if you get if you get 10 words a minute in 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 you know 10 minutes you've got 100 words in 20 minutes you've got 200 words and that's more than enough to print out and start marking up because there's, to me, there's always been a difference. There's two types of distance. You need distance to, um, to revise. And there are two types. There's physical distance and there's temporal distance. Temporal distance, of course, means I'm just going to put it aside for a while and just let it sit. And I'm not going to think about it. And then I'm going to go back and it's going to look very fresh to me. But when you're on deadline, like I was and pretty much have been my whole life, um, you don't have that, you don't have that, uh, uh, privilege. You have to, yeah. uh, you have to go physical distance. And by that, I mean, generating a printout. So, um, that's how you, hmm. that's how you do it. Interesting. So I, I, when I was a blog writer, I had, that's when I had deadlines the hardest because I would, you know, I would get something and I'd have to turn it around in a day. And um, so because I didn't have the benefit of time distance, I would just change my setting and change the way that I was looking at what I was writing. So I would I would listen. I would listen. It was a lot of like uh, converting podcast interviews into blogs. I would listen to the interview and I would um, I would have the interview transcribed. I would listen to the interview and I would just take notes on everything I thought was important. And then I would go to the gym and while working out, I would organize my notes. And then I would go back home and with the post gym workout, uh, you know, endorphins running through my body, I would bang out the rough draft <laughs> and then, uh, and great. then I would, yeah. and then I would move the rough draft to some other medium where I could edit it. <laughs> so there's a lot that's of great, just moving around. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a good approach. One of the reasons I was excited to interview Chip is because you have a, when you were asked what's a commonly held belief about writing that you passionately disagree with, you shared an opinion that, at least on the face of it, sounds like it really disagrees with another opinion that I had on the podcast. You said that writing is a, you said the, the, uh, the thing you disagree with is that writing is a magic act reserved for artistic geniuses. Rather, it's a rational process, a series of decisions and steps that every writer makes and takes, no matter the deadline, genre, length, uh, it can be studied and mastered by any literate person. And, uh, you know, I've often had people, uh, I've a couple times had people on the podcast say that, um, that, uh, uh, unfortunately 
to be a great writer, you cannot have a, a repeatable process. Uh, like you can, you, you basically have to approach uh, every piece of writing as a completely unique thing. Um, I guess I want to first hear you unpack your point of view so that I can, uh, so that I can uh, challenge it, pick it apart and understand it. Sure. Well, it goes back to the novel I read as a 12 year old kid that maybe wanted to, that maybe want to be a novelist that maybe, okay. that maybe want to be a writer. And I finished that book. And as I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, this guy is a genius. He's a magician. And I knew I was neither of those things. So I was screwed. And um, I didn't know what I was doing when I became a journalist. I mean, it was like, you know, hacking my way through a jungle when I was on deadline, hacking away at a typewriter. Um, you know, I would look at my notes, I'd be sweating. Um, and, and so I basically just blundered my way through it. And fortunately, I had been reading you know, my whole life. So I had a certain amount of literacy and I've been reading newspapers too. So I had a certain amount of journalistic literacy. And um, so because of that, I was able to function, but not at a high level. And then I met my mentor, Donald Murray, Donald M. Murray, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and professor of English at New Hampshire. University of New Hampshire. And he came to the Providence Journal in Providence, Rhode Island, where I was a reporter. And um, he was our writing coach. And uh, he was one of the early writing coaches. And I got, was lucky enough to get um, uh, into his first seminar. And literally the first thing he said to me was, and it's been tattooed and I've repeated it. I mean, I know what it's like to be a disciple because I have been a disciple of Don Murray ever since he said those words, that writing is a process that mm -hmm. being, can be described and repeated. Um, so uh, with that in mind, I have discovered that, um, that I can produce work by following this process. It's not a slavish process. I mean, basically, I don't think many writers would disagree with this idea that a writer begins with an idea, okay? It's, uh, it's an idea for a novel. It's an assignment for, a, it's a ghostwriting assignment. Sure. But it's a piece of writing, okay? And so you got this idea. And what do you have to do? Well, I need some information. So um, maybe, maybe the writer interviews or maybe the writer surfs the net um, and collects information and then the writer has usually if they're good they've collected and they're curious because that's that's the hallmark of i think great journalists and great writers is this you know overwhelming curiosity is that they amass this huge amount of material and then they think what does all of this mean and so step three is they have to focus they have to say what does it all mean and i always usually suggest Answer that question in one word, because the principal definition of theme is meaning in a word. So mm -hmm. you want to answer a question like that as a theme. Is it about corruption? Is it about um, defeat? Is it about love? Is it about uh, amnesia, which is what my novel is about, basically? Um, and then you have that as a guiding star. And then 
you you have to say, well, where's all this stuff go now? You know, what what goes where? What's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? And that's the order stage of the process. And then then and only then the writer drafts, begins to write. And mm. finally the writer rises. Now the process is, as Murray taught, is recursive, means the writer is constantly recircling. It's not this lockstep, you know, you know this to me. You've yep. you started writing something, realize, you know, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody else. Um, I need more information. So I'm circling back to the reporting or, you know what, I've changed my idea what this is about and I need to circle back to that. Mm -hmm. um, and so the process, the process is a way to, um, to, to basically do what writers do, but puts, puts a name on the steps. Got um, it. Now, the thing this could happen really quickly. Uh, you know, people think, well, no, you just sit down and write. Yeah, but even if when you're sitting ju down just to write, you, you don't sit down to write without an idea in mind. Um, and even, even the act of writing is, in a sense, an act of reporting, especially if you're writing memoir. When you write, you are reporting, but you're interviewing yourself. Mm -hmm. So by the time you've actually, when you sit down to write, you've already gone through these steps pr very rapidly, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. cognitively, I think it happens very quickly. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, so you start with an idea, then it's collect information. You amass a huge amount of information. You ask, what does it all mean? Then you figure out, uh, after, you, after you can sum it all up in a word, uh, you try to figure out what goes where. This is the order stage. Then you draft. Then you revise. Um, that's really good. One of the things that I've found for me personally when it comes to revising is I have got to get other people's opinion. Um, and this could just be a manifestation of my imposter syndrome. But um, as especially like as a kid's book author, part of my part of my writing process is when once I have a finished manuscript, I have to test it out on children. And so I will tour with unfinished manuscripts that I can test out on kids so that the book will ultimately be better. That's one way that I've found to get really good feedback yeah. on my work. But you talk, I feel like this is one of the difficulties for a lot of writers is how do you get really good writing uh, mentorship, feedback, discipleship. You talked about how like that you you you're the writing disciple of Don Murray. How does a how does a how do writers today get really good discipleship, mentor, feedback, etc.? You know, um I had a lot of bad editors. Um but fortunately they in 22 years as a reporter but fortunately, they were outnumbered by two or three who I worked with for extended extended mm. amount of time, and yeah. so part of it is luck of the draw, you know. And the other part is, I tell people, look, if you're in a place and you're not getting that, get out. How do you Go know you're getting else. bad versus how do you know you're getting good? Uh, if it's destructive, if if someone makes okay. you hate your writing and hate yourself. You want to get the hell out of there fast, um, and I think people know what that is. If, you know, what would you say to somebody I, that somebody I, I would? I had somebody I would share. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask. I had what somebody would you say I to share fiction with. 
Oh, sure, there <laughs> we go. There's our, there's our Zoom delay showing up. I'll, I'll just do a little light editing yeah. here. What would you say to somebody who um, who would say, because I, I remember when I was in college, one of the most memorable experiences I have was I had a uh, a writing professor. Honestly, this is the only time I ever felt like I was getting anything good out of college. So I had a writing professor that would just ruthlessly tear up my work. But in the end, she would praise it. Um, so it was kind of a mix of both of like, you're, you're, you're a crappy writer in all these different ways, but, uh, this idea was good. And, and the, the way that you explored it here was good. And, um, yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's like, well, you got to have people that can just tear you apart. Well, I'm not sure I believe in that completely. I, what I tell people is when I, when I, as a coach work with people, I say, look, I'm going to tell you what works and what needs work. And so, um, and I look for ways pretty quickly to say what works because often when writers come to a conference, um, they're, they're um, depressed, they're exhausted, they're wiped <laughs> out and they think what they've written is crap. And so sometimes I have to say, well, hey, the words are spelled correctly and they'll laugh. And then, uh, so I'll tell them, okay, I think this works, this works. Now, um, the second question, and I'll say, yeah, I know what doesn't work. And I'll stop and I'll say, no, no, I didn't say what doesn't work. I said, what needs work? Because the difference between what doesn't work and what needs work is the difference between despair and hope. Mm. So I don't think necessarily you have to tear people's work apart. I can understand and appreciate why that would have been helpful to you. And, mm -hmm. and it was helpful because she did tell you what worked. She mm -hmm. told you pretty ruthlessly what, what needed. Well, I suppose it was phrased <laughs> as what didn't work, but she was in effect telling you what needed work. Yeah. Um, and so, um, there was a lot of despair in that classroom. I think I was probably one of the few people yeah, that yeah. felt, felt good. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she right. wasn't that and good of a I, professor. You know, well, I don't know. It's like, I just, you know, I, I, I honestly believe this to me. I believe everyone is a storyteller. And so if they work at writing, they can be a writer because mm -hmm. we are, it's in our DNA to tell stories since we were, you know, in the cave around the fire. And um, everyone has stories. Everyone has stories to tell um everyone can find other people's stories to tell it's having an open mind it's having the curiosity of a toddler you know toddlers look around and go what's that what's that what's that what's that what's that that's what great writers do they're insatiably curious yeah um so i think that storytelling and i think you know obviously i'm not saying anything that profound here but i think that storytelling is probably one of the most important skills that anyone should develop in life, not just to be a writer, but to be a good communicator, to be, to be good at anything, because um, storytelling is like, it's like a fast track into um, teaching something because, you know, uh, if you tell a really good story, you can incept an idea better than you could preach it. But, but at the same time, I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that I'm a great storyteller or at least that I'm great at the practical. Like I, I so often go for just saying the what of like what needs to be said instead of telling the story. 
how do you like how how do you lead somebody to be like how do you lead like an everyday person to be a better storyteller like what are some of the like basic things that that you have to get them to understand well this is pretty basic but they have to understand that subject verb object um jack fixed the car is the engine of narrative um and that active verbs you know um drive narrative drive storytelling mm -hmm. it's very basic but i mean you know when i when i look at a first draft of mine it's littered with was and were and i have to go through those and and eliminate them and and instead say dangled or um you know uh mm. uh you know clung or as opposed to was hanging or was mm. clinging it's mm. it's basic stuff like that um and that's i suppose that's somewhat mechanic that's somewhat mechanical i guess the other thing i'd say is you have to read you know mm. uh Saul Bellow, the nobel laureate once said a writer is a reader moved to emulation mm -hmm. and if you want to write, you have to read, and you have to read a lot. And you can read anything you want, but you have to be a voracious reader. Um, you have to absorb it, and in a sense, by osmosis, you know, structure and and um, technique and and language play. Um, the other thing is, um, you just have to write, and you have to swallow the bile that rises in your throat. Every time you sit at the keyboard and your mind is telling you, you suck, you suck and keep typing and lower your standards and just get something down. Um, whether it's you want to write a poem, I mean, people are choosing different things. They either want to write screenplays or they want to write novels or they want to write short stories or they want to write blog posts or um, what? what um, Children's books. Children's books, of course, like you. Um, and I think your concept is brilliant because the idea of business leaders writing about their subjects for children. Uh, yeah. I remember as a reporter, a reporter friend of mine, she was she was chronicling the building of a skyscraper. And I remember her telling me the best sources for her for all the technical information were children's books. Yeah. Because There's a quote that, oh yeah go ahead sorry. what is it zoom delay <laughs> I was gonna say there's a quote that uh, is attributed to Einstein he might not have said it but he said if you can't explain it to a six year old then you don't understand it yourself and I love telling That's people good. that in sales conversations <laughs> yeah yeah but I cut off your thought what were you about to say about the person the that does skyscrapers. Oh no, just that that's that there was the whole thing that she found that her best source for understanding and communicating how skyscrapers are built were children's books. Got it. On construction and architecture. Interesting. Um yeah, I think that um I think that there's some there's some question around whether whether a children's book can deliver high level, high value content. And I, of course, believe that it can. I think that um, 
I think that it has an incredible amount of potential because you get about 600 words uh, and you have to say something super, you have to say something very, with a very short word count, very succinctly. Um, and it's a fun challenge. Um, I wanted to ask you, okay, switching gears. Um, when we were, when we were talking in before we hit record, I asked you about your POV and I told you about what I've heard said on this podcast before, and it made you go, well, there's a difference between the process and the path. What did you mean by that? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I have to be honest, that's something that just occurred to me, as I said, yeah. as a teacher, I love that. I love that. I often thought of, I always thought of teaching as jazz. Um, I was always prepared. I knew my subject, but I didn't come in with a script. And so I, things would just bubble out, bubble up. Okay. So as we were talking, I realized thinking about this, this novel I'm working on, that there is a process but there's a path and my path in a way takes me to different well let's see it it my path is one of uh of discovery writing above all is a process of discovery mm -hmm. and i i have worked on this novel for i'm um, well i'm not ashamed whatever uh, i've worked on it for <laughs> a long time and got blocked got blocked years ago uh -huh. and just recently picked it up again and so um, I have this draft material, right? But now what I'm doing is I'm taking what is draft material and um, honing it into what is emerging as fiction. You talked about getting feedback. Um, you know, I don't have the chance yet to share an entire manuscript, but I've got, uh, I'm from a family of six, and I've got a really close friend and Becky Blanton, who you interviewed before is a close friend. I basically call um, people up and say, hey, listen to this. Um, it's important for me to share and to, you know, to a certain extent, you want to get a pat on the back. This is great. But I also want to know if they have questions. You know, mm -hmm. um, I read something to my brother the other day, yesterday, and he said, uh, where's this coming from? I don't understand this. And I realized I hadn't provided any context. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, the difference between process and path. So there's this process they laid out, right? Okay. Yeah. But the path can be different for the path can be different. The path can be different for each process for each project. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for me right now, my path involves uh, my path involves right now focusing on drafting and uh, ordering. Okay. So I've got post-its up on a wall. Uh, because this novel, although it only takes place over a period of several months in uh, the waning days of World War II, I've got at least 50 characters so far. Now, I only have really five. I have three major characters, um, uh, two. They're not minor characters, but they're, they're sub-major, if that's a word. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. sub-major. And then I've got a, a bunch of, you know, if you will, you know, cameos, people that are walk-ons. They, they're propelling the narrative. So I'm focusing on, on, the thing I've done most recently is I've just put as much as I could on post-its on the wall. And then I've just taken these post-its off and I've said, okay, I'm writing this section now. I don't know, I don't know where 
it's going to fit in the novel. Um, I just know I have to get as much written as possible. I have to get as much drafted as possible that, that makes sense to me. And so that's my path right now. I'm still hewing to the idea that, well, I began with an idea um, mm -hmm. and I've done a lot of collecting. Um, I'm still working on organization. Um, uh, I, I, I have a focus. I mean, I, you know, I finally, you know, through a lot of hard work and thinking have settled on my theme and, um, and, but I'm working on ordering right now. And, and I'm also, I suppose you could say drafting, but I've already, this is the second, this is the first draft. Uh, this is the second draft. Um, so I'm, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm revising as much as I'm, I think of it as layering. That was a term Don Murray used to use. He would just mm -hmm. go back into a piece of writing over and over and add different layers to it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. Is this making any sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, there's a process, but the path that you uh, that you take in trying to follow that process is going to be different for every project. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's at least how I'm interpreting it. Yeah. 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 That's it. Do you think there's a difference between the uh, job of a writer and the job of an author? Well, the only difference is a writer is someone who writes and author is someone who's published. <laughs> and I would tell people, um, you know, you want to be a writer, right? That makes you a writer. A anybody who writes is a writer. Um, but the, the, the next step and the harder one, as you know, is getting published. Um, I, I got published a lot as a journalist and then as a textbook author and, and you know, an, an editor of volumes and, uh, you know, uh, a novel. And those were published. Uh, those made me an author. Um, three years ago, I decided, um, you know, I've been that route. I've been trying to sell to agents. I've worked with publishers. I mean, my textbooks were published for Ox by Oxford University Press, which is very prestigious. It sounds great. You know, my mom was really happy about it, but, uh -huh. um, I wasn't exactly pleased with the process and I decided the, the, the next two of my books, I would self-publish. Now, the novel I'm working on, I would like it to be published. I would rather not self-publish it. Um, you know, who wouldn't dream of, you know, being reviewed in the New York Times? You know, who wouldn't dream of being interviewed by Terry Gross? So that's my dream. If, you know, that's not achieved, then I'll self-publish it. But um, a writer is somebody who writes and an author is someone who's published. You said you're about to self-publish. You're about to self-publish your next two works, or you said no, no. I said I have self-published. You know, you, you mentioned thirty-three. Yeah, you mentioned thirty-three ways not to screw up your journalism and writers on writing. That's right. Those were self-published. Okay. Self-published. Um, just out of curiosity, what have been the most successful ways for you to get people to buy those books? Uh. And if you don't have a good answer to that question, that's okay. No, no. Oh, conferences. I, you know, conferences are good. You know, uh, 33 ways not to screw up your journalism. Journalism conferences are good venues to sell the book. Um, I've also found, you know, I've also found using, I use basically social media. 
I'm a writer, Timmy. I'm not a marketer. I'm just, you know, it's not my. This is uh, why I like asking this question because I think the job of writer and the job of author are two completely different jobs. I think the job yeah, of writer is to write great work and the job of author is to sell that work. Yeah. And I'm better at writing it than I am selling it. You know, <laughs> uh, I yeah. think that's true of a lot of writers. Yeah. They're better at writing than they are selling. And maybe the really successful ones. Well, I can't decide. Are the, are the really successful ones successful because they've written fantastic stuff or that they're better at selling themselves? And I'm not that's sure if I know the answer. Question. I do know this. There's a lot of great, there's a lot of great work that has not been published. Um, and, and a lot of mediocre work that has been. And I find yes, that encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do too. Yeah. Although I want right. to be a performer. Yeah. yeah, that's understandable. I think this strategy brain in me is like, oh my gosh, look at all this mediocre work that's been published. The bar is so low. Even I can go over it. <laughs> right. Um, Chip, I feel like this is a good spot to end the interview, although I could keep talking to you about this question. Um, if if uh, listeners were to go to one place to check you out, where would you want to send them? Um, chipswritinglessons.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you very much, Jimmy. It's my pleasure.